Y Group invites all AEC industry leaders to the 2024 AEC Small Business and Entrepreneurship Forum, the premier event for small firms in the AEC sector. Experience innovative strategies and insights on May 21st, crafted by Zweig Group's industry experts. Engage in keynotes and interactive sessions focused on recruitment, retention, and business growth. Join Zweig Group for this unique networking opportunity and take your business to new heights. Secure your spot today and be part of the AEC industry's future. Visit ZweigGroup.com for more information. The Zwei Group team looks forward to welcoming you. Welcome to the Zweig Letter Podcast, putting architectural, engineering, planning, and environmental consulting advice and guidance in your ear. Zweig Group's team of experts have spent more than three decades elevating the industry by helping AEP and environmental consulting firms thrive. And these podcasts deliver invaluable management, industry, client, marketing, and HR advice directly to you, free of charge. The Zweig Letter Podcasts, elevating the design industry one episode at a time. Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of the Zweig Letter Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I'm excited to be with you today, and I've got a great episode for you. We've always tried to bring different viewpoints on the podcast. We've tried to bring individuals from different walks of life on the Zweig Letter podcast, different experiences. Of course, you know, engineers, architects, environmental consultants, planners, landscape architects, you name them, we've covered them. And then we also spend a lot of time covering those organizations and or companies that serve the design industry. And so our next guest is no stranger to the Zweig Letter podcast. We've actually had these folks on before, and that guest is corporate tax advisors. And we have actually, today we have the CEO and founder of CTA, better known as corporate tax advisors, Mike Weber. And uh, Mike is a CPA. He's an outstanding individual. And we've had his partner on, Dawson Fairco. Dawson has been on the Zweig Letter podcast, I think twice now. So Mike, you got some work to do, but uh, the bottom line is that we've you guys have been represented on this podcast in the past because you do something very unique. And, and specifically today, if you guys are not familiar with Corporate Tax Advisors, this is one of those episodes where you really need to kind of get close to the speaker, or if you got your ear pods on, that's great. Grab a piece of paper and a pen because you're going to need to take some notes. And I'm, I'm going to let Mike take us to school as it pertains to the research and development tax credit that so many design firms don't find out about until the 11th hour. And so this episode today is one of those episodes that's going to get you thinking differently about your business, differently about how you do things, and start you down the path of asking the question, are we eligible to take research and development tax credits as a design firm? And the long and short of it is the answer could be maybe. Right. It's not an unequivocal yes, I don't think, but we'll let Mike describe the whole process for us today. And so without further ado, Mike Weber, CEO and founder of Corporate Tax Advisors, how are you doing today? 
Doing great, Randy. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Well, why don't you give the audience just real quickly, and we were talking offline, your superhero origin story. Just tell us a little bit about Mike Weber and, and how you even got to the place where you found that CTA was going to be a viable a business specifically for this industry, but just in general. Right, Randy. So uh, I started my career at, at ENY a long, long time ago and learned a lot there at ENY uh, about the basics of the, the income tax world. And after I left there, I went and uh, worked my way up and became a tax partner for about 15 years with uh, a local firm here in the North Alabama area. And that experience gave me a lot of insight into the tax credit world. Our primary focus back then was the aerospace and defense industry here where we're headquartered in Huntsville, Alabama. And that industry was engineering, but it was engineering for the federal government primarily as the primary customer. And so, Randy, when we would go in and do an analysis of the R&D credit, I am a, a company CPA. I had to bring in some outside experts to do some interviews and help us calculate these credits. So I did that for about a, a decade and, and learned a lot about the R&D credit and how it applied to my aerospace and defense clients. And along the way of learning about this R&D credit and the new rules, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, I met a guy named Dawson and Dawson and I developed a friendship. And over time, we thought, hey, we can do this R&D business a little bit differently. Because when the R&D credit rules changed, people came out, uh, formed businesses and, and really were aggressive in taking the credit maybe charged a little bit aggressive fees. And the experience was, uh, as, as my partner Dawson says, it was more transactional. Everybody was focused on the transaction. They weren't really focused on developing a relationship with a group that they were uh, helping to uh, compute an R&D credit. So that was the foundation of what we call CTA, our business here today. And, and we're about to celebrate our, our ninth anniversary Dawson and I formed it uh, to do just that, develop relationships. So that's the most important thing to us is to have a good relationship. And a good relationship means that both parties are very open with one another, open about uh, the activities and the, the things that companies are doing that qualify for the credit and kind of just opening up our calculations and how we work with our client and making that something that is not a mystery to the client. They're comfortable with our analysis and how we're putting together their credit. Wow. Well, first of all, congratulations on nine years. I didn't realize it was it's nine years. And that's I mean, I think that's amazing that you guys have been around and you, you've kind of showed yourselves as to being, um, you know, I mean, perfectly suited for what design firms needs in area that is often overlooked, right? Because most design firms aren't in the weeds with their accounting. I mean, of course, they, their books are important, but that's not what their focus is. But you guys have a unique capability of hyper-focusing in that area and then also being able to elaborate in other little-known aspects of our tax code that really will let you take advantage of those things. And so needless to say, that I think it's a great thing. And, and you guys are poised 
for continued growth, which is why you guys have expanded. I, I remember you just had like an office in Huntsville and I think maybe one up in KC or somewhere there. And now you've got offices all across the country now. That's right. We've been very fortunate, Randy. We, we've had nice growth. And that growth has taken us to a nationwide client base. And so we do this for companies from Miami all the way out to Anchorage. I still haven't found that client in Hawaii yet, but we're, we're hoping we get there someday. <laughs> It's not without trying, right? <laughs> That's right. That's yeah, right. No, I love that. Uh, I love that. Yeah. So we've, we've really enjoyed the process of developing a business, but also developing relationships with, with our clients. And so one of the unique things about this industry that we call the design industry, maybe the AEC industry, same types of engineering principles are being applied to activities that that were maybe being performed back when we were working with strictly aerospace and defense companies. Good qualifying engineering, and, and engineering is the key here, that is a hard science, if you will, as defined in the Internal Revenue Code. And so those engineering activities have the opportunity to qualify as research and development now, whereas in the past, you had to discover something new. There had to be a discovery. I always hold up an iPhone. When, when the iPhone was, came into existence, that was a new, new discovery, a new piece of technology. And, and that used to be the only way a, a business could take advantage of the R&D credit. Well, that changed. And so more businesses now can take advantage of the credit if they can show they're doing things that lead to something new or improved. So notice I said new, but also improved. That's a big change. Subtle wording, but big change. And so if you're doing something, Randy, where your business is developing a design or actually developing a product of its own, that is now potentially R&D if it meets this thing called the four-part test. And so real quick, I'm sure we'll talk about it a couple of times here uh, this afternoon, but the four-part test says you have to be doing that new or improved thing. That's number one. Number two is it has to be something technological in nature. So let's say I'm doing graphic design. We had a, a t-shirt company call us once and they said, oh, we do a lot of these hunting designs and things like that for shirts. Well, that is a design, if you will, but it is not based in a science. It's graphics, it's style, it's taste. So those kinds of things are not R&D, but engineering type work or software development, things like that, where there's a science, that meets that second part. And so then the third and fourth things go together. There has to be an uncertainty at the outset of the project, a technical uncertainty, they call it. And then fourth, you have to apply a process of experimentation in how you go about trying to figure out that technical uncertainty. All right. So those are the four things. If you can take a project that your engineering or architectural firm is doing and you can apply those four principles, you have to meet all four, then the hours that are going into that portion of the project can qualify for research and development credits. Well, you know, and as I'm listening to you say that, I'm just, I know people are kind of processing it in their mind, kind of going through, you know, do we meet these steps that are required? And, and I want to say, 
I definitely want to direct people to your website because you certainly give examples of the types of projects that could potentially contain qualified research. And so you have a, you have sure. a long list and I'm not going to read them all, but things like obviously green building design, lead certification, structural engineering to withstand earthquakes, hurricanes, fire, and other disasters. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about firms right now in South Florida, right, that are trying to improve upon structural design so that what happened at that apartment building condo doesn't happen again down there in South Florida, whether due to climate or a number of other factors. Other examples that you give are HVAC system design for airflow and energy efficiency, plumbing system design for efficient water usage, foundation engineering to mitigate the effect of unstable soil or sand, and then I'll just I'll leave it with this last one, which is drainage stormwater management design. And I purposefully mentioned that one because a lot of engineers design a lot of culverts and in, in drainage systems and detention ponds. And a lot of times that you know they're not sexy. They're the kind of thing that once you design it, you kind of leave it alone. But there is a possibility that some of that design that you take a lot of time and effort and man hours to put into designing something that that's going to be beneficial for your client for today and into the future could have potential benefits to your firm. Is that about right? It does. And and, and sorry, there it was a little, little bit of a dry throat as we head into the, the cold of winter here. Oh, that's uh, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right, Randy. Gosh, you've just scratched the surface with the examples that you've just given us. It is those things like you just mentioned and many, many more. So I always encourage firms that are in this space to think about the things that they're being hired to do, okay? And when you look at those things, what are the technical elements of those? What kinds of people do you have to hire and have on your staff to be able to solve the problems that your customer has, right? Whether that customer is a is a governmental organization, uh, say a DOT, Department of Transportation Group, you know, might be still be a federal government, might be a private customer uh, that's just looking to build, you know, a safe building. So what kinds of people do you need to have? What are the problems that you know are going to be in the design of that particular project? And so we always encourage an analysis of, you know, some of those time categories. All good engineering firms are, are keeping good track of their time. And they put it in nice, neat little categories. We'll have some design development phases. You might have some schematic design. You might have some construction documents, you know, uh, CAD drawing time codes. Those things, Randy, are all going to be the areas within a project where firms are going to be conceptualizing. They're going to be thinking about alternatives to completing the project they've been hired to do. And so that's where this creative thinking comes in and where that time is recorded. And we can go back in and talk about the specifics of those engineer to engineer and develop a documentation of those projects that really supports why that activity meets this four-part test. So it's very, uh, very important to this credit. As I'm sure you've heard Dawson say many times, this is a wage-driven credit. 
what are you paying your people to do that meets this four-part test definition? So very person-intensive effort on the part of these engineering firms that qualifies. Yeah. And, you know, and as I was looking, and I love your site, your site has a lot of really good information on it. But when I, you know, I just, I kind of put two and two together as you articulate the value add that corporate tax advisors brings to any firm that they're working with. I mean, there are some very specific things that the translation into finding those tax credits ultimately, I think, boil down to one thing. If nothing else, certainly, you know, the tax credit is there for your benefit. But I also like how you kind of connect for the firm the ability that the ability for those clients of yours, of corporate tax advisors to hire additional people because of the tax credits that they received. So there is a, you know what I'm saying? There's kind of like a quid pro quo there, if you will. And I'd love for you just to talk a little bit about that because maybe that, that might be the one point that I think will drive home for, for companies, even remotely considering this, why should we put the time and effort into connecting with CTA? Why should we even go through all this? It's just kind of like a needle in a haystack. We're not going to really benefit from it, but you've had, you guys have been doing this almost 10 years. As we say, we're celebrating nine years. You have, you've gotten up to about $75 million in client tax credits since you guys were founded. And in just in, in 2018 alone, you got $22 million in client tax credit for your clients and you've completed over 500 studies. So this is not, you know, a normal walk in the park for you guys. You guys have been doing this for a while and you have that experience. I would love for you just to maybe connect the dots for a firm owner or a firm leader about how they could actually, the bottom line benefit that I see here, because we always talk about in the design industry, the importance of recruitment and retention is being able to have the bandwidth to hire more people because of some of the things that you've done in the past that might have a considerable tax credit tied to them. Right. Yeah. Funny story, Randy. We've done this, like you said, for hundreds of businesses now, and if not into the thousands. And out of all those customers we've worked with, we only had one customer I could think of, and, and I believe he was joking here. He got his credit back and he said, hey, I'm going to go put a swimming pool in my backyard and I'm going to put CTA on the bottom of the pool. So remind me where I got my pool. <laughs> and, uh, and and we laughed at that. We had a good good time with that joke. And the reality of it, though, is this is an incentive that helps businesses that are facing the high cost of employment these days. And the overwhelming majority of our customers take this tax credit, which again, remember, Randy, the tax credit is based on activities that you are paying employees to do that meet the definition of R&D. All right. So you've got to hire talented people. Those talented people have always been of a higher cost. They've always wanted, they've been very high talent, which means they're in demand. They could go to your company, but they could go to several other companies, right? So there's competition for these great people. And now that we've been through the pandemic and and working relationships with employers and employees have changed so much, it's just even more competitive than ever to find somebody that is good, capable, and can really solve the problems that their organization is hired to do. So all of that drives costs up. The R&D credit says, we're going to look at 
an individual's time. And we're going to find those projects that that individual works on. And a portion of those hours, let's just say you you do the analysis and 40% of an individual's time is in the R&D credit world. And on somebody like that, you know, if, if you're paying them, again, draw some, some, some broad examples here, but if you're paying them $100,000 a year, you know, you're going to save ten dollars to $15,000 on that person with a good R&D credit with 40 or 50% of their time going into R&D efforts. So you've just reduced the cost of that individual by 15%, okay? That's a pretty good impact if you know going into making an offer to somebody, you've got a little more room to attract them in a base salary or comp package. If you know they're going to be doing these engineering type projects for you, that can be a big negotiation benefit to a company knowing that they can get some dollars back for that individual's efforts. I mean, that totally, I get that 100%. And I think Again, like people are just going to have to see it in black and white for them to fully understand that I, that I understand. So what I was hoping we could do, Mike, and I I don't certainly don't want to put you on the spot, but I would love for you just to maybe share a story or two of a client that you worked with. Maybe they, they were reluctant to even go through the process. And then afterwards they were like, man, I'm so glad you, you twisted our arm to consider this because this was a difference maker for us. But I'd love, I'm sure you have some stories with 500 studies completed. There's got to be a couple of stories there of people that were, maybe they were on the fence about this whole thing of research and development tax credits, or, you know, they just were skeptical, right? You know, I mean, this is, for some people, they they may look at CTA and say, you guys are one step shy of, of a late night infomercial, but it's really not the case. I mean, it's just, and I'm being funny about that, but it's like, people just don't know because they don't know. And you have to you know, you have to kind of bring the water to them so that they can actually drink it. So I would love for you to share with our audience, maybe one story that or two that really comes to mind that drives home the point of why it's worth the effort to determine whether or not this is a tax credit that is eligible for your your particular firm. Right. Absolutely. We've got to uh, certainly have several stories we could talk about. One of my Big things about providing R&D credits to people is we always tell folks you either have them or you don't. There's a lot of activity that qualifies, Randy. And so we start out with a company, say, uh, an example of a company we work with, uh, they've got about 350 employees, had never heard of the R&D credit, met us at a seminar four or five years ago. We slowly started working with them, and, and over the last uh, four or five years combined, we've saved them over 900000 in taxes. Well, one of the things that they didn't understand is they said, we're not doing any R&D because we're not in a lab coat environment. Okay, We're not working out of a lab. We're an engineering firm. Everybody comes in and sits around an office and and collaborates all day. That's not really an R&D environment. And it takes a while to educate people and let them know that it's not a lab code environment that matters anymore. It's what you guys uh, are doing in the engineering space to solve problems. And each problem has its own unique set of facts and circumstances. And that is what enables a company to be able to claim 
the R&D credit on those particular projects. They're unique. There may be some similar things that you do from project to project, but each project is unique and has unique circumstances that you have to overcome. So that's the exciting part about it is every project is slightly different. And it's our job here at CTA to come in and tell you how much of those differences qualify for the R&D credit. So this company that had 350 people that we started working with, we got in there, Randy, and we realized that, okay, they've got about 50% of their employees, 50% of their employee hours qualify for the R&D credit. They're doing enough of this design work. And by the way, this is a civil engineering firm. And so they're doing enough design work that 50% of their hours qualify. Now, what else does a civil engineering firm do? Well, they do a lot of things like surveying and other measuring activities. And so they might have uh, people that are going out to the field and just taking measurements. I know you've seen the the old tripods on the side of the road where you're watching road construction, driving by it, uh, things like that. Of course, now they do a lot of that with drones and digitally, but same thing. It's a measuring activity. So we exclude those activities on the front end that don't qualify. So we always tell folks, just like this one particular civil firm, hey, it's not everything you're doing that qualifies. It's some of the things, okay? It's our job to pull those out and document them and support them in a credit. And so the other thing that comes up, and it certainly came up with this particular firm, is when you're doing design work for other people, okay? So most engineering firms are are hired by a customer to design something for them, right? Could be a subdivision, could be a wastewater treatment plant, could be a building, a road, a bridge, could be a million different things, right? Well, that engineering firm is not going to go out and actually construct that asset, that project, right? They're just designing it. So the trick here, Randy, that we tell folks is you have to go in and look at the financial risk that the organization is taking on as they do this engineering work. And so if you've got financial risk in the project, Randy, then your R&D activities qualify. So in this particular example, we're able to show this civil engineering firm, hey, here's all the people you've got. And we do this on a person-by-person basis. And here's what these folks are doing. So you can imagine if you've got, you know, a a civil engineer going to be high, you know, maybe 70, 80% R&D. If you have a surveying person, it's going to be little or nothing. If you have a, a, a receptionist, a bookkeeper, they're obviously going to be zero in the R&D effort. So we looked at it by individual in this firm. And then once we had those hours, we looked at the contracts behind those projects. And the ones that had financial risk, and we can talk about what that is in just a minute, if you had financial risk in those activities, then you could claim those R&D hours in your final credit. So think about it this way, Randy, 350 person civil firm, about half their total hours qualify, but then they only had about 40% of that half of their hours had financial risk. So we got them a very nice credit based on 20% of their hours 
qualifying for the R&D credit. So that means 80% of what they do on a regular basis doesn't qualify. All right. So we're not talking about an overwhelming R&D effort within your firm. We're talking about roughly 20 to 25% of your total hours really qualifying towards this credit and creating a nice benefit for you. And so so that I have a better understanding, when you when you talk about this, the example that you gave, what would be the easiest way for a firm to understand it from their vantage point about whether or not they have that project that's going to qualify them specifically with regard to that type of event? Right. Yeah, Randy, we, over the years, we kind of call that the quick test, if you will, kind of simple it, make it simple enough that a, that a business owner can think about it and try and quantify it. And so for us, we want a, a business owner to ask a couple of questions. And the first one is, what are your people doing? Are they solving problems? Are they having to conceptualize, create uh, different models, different solutions? different paths to a solution in order to find the best solution for that particular project. If you're doing that, you're probably going to be able to meet the four-part test. And if you meet the four-part test, remember that's R&D. So the second question we ask is, do you have that financial risk? And a very basic way of looking at that would be, are we doing these projects under a fixed fee type arrangement? So if you think about it, If you ask me to do something, Randy, and I say, I'll do that project for you for $10,000, and no matter what, $10,000 is all you're going to have to pay me, then I've got the financial risk in that project, right? I've got to make a deliverable back to you for that price, all right? Now, go to the polar opposite of that. If I say, hey, Randy, I'll do that same project for you, but I'm just going to bill you 150 an hour until I figure it out. All right. So we have kind of what we would call a time and materials arrangement. Well, now you as the payor to me, you have more of the financial risk because you're not quite sure how many hours it's going to take me to do that project for you. So no financial risk for the person doing the research in that case. So again, back to your original question, what's a simple way that a firm can look at their R&D activities? Number one, are you doing those those activities that are problem solving, where you're looking at different alternatives to come to a solution? And of course, applying uh, the principles of, of engineering or some other hard science. So that's number one. Number two is, do I have a risk? Am I working under some type of a fixed fee or lump sum contract that gives me the financial risk of performance. And if you have those two things, Randy, that is a very basic way of saying, I probably have some R&D credit available in my business. Yeah. And that's, I appreciate you kind of laying it out there. And, and certainly it was well worth mentioning twice because, you know, a lot of, I think it's just for some people, it's just, they have to get their arms around it. Right. And you know, you're used to this, so you know what the process is. But for somebody coming in that's, you know, brand new to the table and you're sitting down with them for the first time, it may take them a minute or two to really grasp what you're describing and more importantly, how you solve these problems for them. So I really appreciate you taking time to kind of give us that quick test and 
We'll be sure to mention that several times as well as on in the show notes for people that are listening to this. But I hope everybody is taking notes because, I mean, Mike has really laid out a very simple test that you can try within your organization to see if indeed you guys qualify for the research and development tax credit. And, and, you know, and, and better yet, what the best, the best thing to do is to give Mike and his team at Corporate Tax Advisors a call and ask some of those questions, because I think what will end up happening is that they will probably save you some time and maybe even a lot of heartache trying to figure this thing out, because this is what they do day in and day out. Is that, is that fair to say, Mike? Yeah, it sure is, Randy. I mean, remember, uh, even though our name is Corporate Tax Advisors, we focus in on three or four incentives, the research and development credit being the biggest one. And so with that focus, we can come in anytime, anywhere and and calculate this. We're not as much uh, driven by due dates as a lot of traditional CPA firms are. Since this is what we do, we, we go do it when and wherever we're needed to do it. But the most important thing is, I would say we look at a hundred opportunities for every four or five that actually work out to have an R&D credit. And that's just the math. Uh, Randy, there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, A lot of companies do the right work, but they don't have the financial risk or vice versa. Or we find sometimes companies have financial risk. They have the good R&D defined activities but maybe they're running at a loss right now and they can't use a credit. So they're not as inclined to move forward with a study if it's not an immediate benefit. We certainly understand that. So there are a lot of gotchas to this. And I I think, Randy, like you just said, we're happy to take a look at it at no cost to give a business an idea of, is this worth pursuing? Saves them a lot of time. and, And frankly, it saves us a lot of time too. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate that. And just, just so that other people know, I mean, that some of the other services that you do offer, 179D green energy incentive, cost segregation and opportunity zone credits. So research and development tax credits aren't the only thing that you offer to firms um, for their consideration in case they need help. And certainly if people want to reach out and get in touch with you, Mike, what's the easiest way for them to do that? Yeah, Randy, uh, the easiest way is to uh, email one of us. Uh, my email is Mike W, M-I-K-E-W, at CorporateTaxAdvisors.com. My email is on our website. So are several other people, key individuals who can help you. You may also call our, our main line, 256-970-7129. We'll be happy to answer any calls. And we also have an inquiry spot on our website as well, which again is www.corporatetaxadvisors.com. Yeah. And we'll be sure to link to all of this in our show notes. So if you want to get additional information about how to get in touch with CTA, we're also going to put a link in our show notes for CTA's newsletter, which I would encourage you if you're just kind of in the exploratory phase or just want to learn a little bit more about these guys or a little bit more about the R&D tax credit, you need to get on their newsletter and kind of hear some of these stories that Mike just shared with us today and learn a little bit more about this whole process so that you can kind of, maybe you need a little bit of time to get your get your head around how this might benefit your firm. And again, just like Mike said, you know, there's no, the, the percentage of firms that isn't as high as you think, but you just never know if your firm 
is one of those firms that qualifies, then, you know, and you haven't done the R&D tax credit, what are you waiting for is my simple question. So, and that's probably Mike's question too, but he's too kind to say that. So I'll say it for him. And uh, we would certainly encourage you to reach out to these guys and connect with them. And, and, you know, CTA has been a partner with Zui Group for a number of years. And like I said, I've personally worked with Mike. I've worked with Dawson for a number of years. We've done trainings together. But these guys, they walk the walk and talk the talk. So I really appreciate, Mike, you coming on the Zui Glitter podcast again and just kind of sharing the importance of understanding the research and development tax credit and how it applies to design firms. Because there are a lot of people listening to this that probably need to take a closer look at the way that they do and run their business and whether or not this may be something worth pursuing. Well, thank you, Randy. Really appreciate that. Really appreciate the invitation to be here this afternoon. And and I will say we we are constantly amazed as we go around the country meeting people, still the number of firms that are unaware of this. So uh, we enjoy meeting everybody and we look forward to many more years of doing it. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think, you know, this is nine and hopefully we'll be around for another nine doing this and and, uh, we'll be excited to see you guys continue to grow. And Mike Weber, CEO and founder of Corporate Tax Advisors, thank you so much for joining us on the Zweig Letter Podcast today. Thanks, Randy. Absolutely. Well, folks, that's another episode of the Zweig Letter Podcast. To learn more about one of the oldest newsletters in the design industry, visit zweiggroup.com. You can read articles online, listen to this podcast, and sign up for a free subscription to the newsletter and have it delivered right into your email inbox every Monday morning. Sign up today. For more info about Zwei Group's advisory services or any of Zwei Group's publications, visit zweiggroup.com. You can subscribe to the Zwei Letter Podcast wherever you listen to it, and please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and we'll see you back here soon. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to the Zweig Letter Podcast. We hope that you can be part of elevating the industry and that you can apply our advice and information to your daily professional life. For a free digital subscription to the Zweig Letter, please visit thezweigletter.com slash subscribe to gain more wisdom and inspiration, in addition to information about leadership, finance, HR, and marketing your firm. Subscribe today.